Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. My guest today is around two on the Decoding Superhuman podcast. But before I get into him, what he's all about, and what we're going to talk about today, let's head over to Apple Podcasts and see what kind of ratings we've picked up over the past week. This one comes from You Name It. Five-star rating entitled Excellent. Thank you, by the way. Boomer provides excellent content for those interested in biohacking the body with proven modalities and learning from experts on how to live and perform at your best. Thanks, Boomer, for broadcasting this information. And I am so grateful for that review. It just kept me going. I could have gone on for a while, but thank you so much. You name it. I appreciate you and I appreciate you taking the time to write a five-star review. If you're interested in writing a five-star review, head on over to Apple Podcasts leave your name or whatever they required you to do, five stars, and just tell me what you think about the show. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all of you for tuning in. So let's get to my guest today, shall we? My guest, and again, this is a round two, is Dr. Scott Scherer. If you guys recall our first episode, we went deep into hyperbaric oxygen therapy, the benefits thereof, how to do it, et cetera, et cetera. But today is a little bit of a different topic, and it's one of the Decoding Superhuman family's favorite topics, which is cognitive enhancement. It seems like every time I have an episode on cognitive enhancement, downloads go up, and I'm hoping that this is the case as well today. Scott and I delve into nootropics. How did Scott find nootropics? What did he use in college, and what did he learn from that experience We talk about foundationally how you need to be set up in terms of basic health principles and actions before you start taking the nootropics. And then we dive deep into a product that you guys know I love called blue canatine. We talk about each of the ingredients in detail, the pluses and minuses of each, as well as any concerns you may have around getting a blue tongue, the effects of methylene blue or hemp crystals or nicotine or of course caffeine. But you're going to want to check out the show notes for this one. They're at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Dr. Sure. That's S-H-E-R-R. And if you want to check out Scott's amazing nootropic, Blue Canatine, you can head on over to troscriptions.com. But again, the show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash Dr. Sure. And enjoy my conversation on all things cognitive enhancement with Dr. Scott Sure. Dr. Sure, welcome back. It's been too Round long, two. man. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> How have you been? Oh, yeah. you know, locked down, but doing well. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, for those listening to this right now, in terms of recording time period, we're talking COVID, and uh, I'm sure this will be released before the end of the COVID experience, but, uh, you know, who knows where we'll be in the next couple of months. Regardless, we're all going to know how it felt to be at this time living through a very interesting point in history. So, Yeah, yeah. Shelter in place may be the phrase of the year, that's for sure. Yeah, it's one of them. But today we're going to talk a little bit about something different. Um, I want to kind of go into you, uh, go into depth with you about something that I know you're passionate about, involved in quite a bit. Uh, cognitive enhancement mm-hmm. and specifically would like to talk about this wonderful world of nootropics. Now you're directly involved in it and I, I just have to understand like, how does one, how did you come to the whole world of nootropics in the first place? Well, I think like most kids in college, you want to feel like you can actually concentrate. (laughs) So um, I went to UCLA in Los Angeles 
There's, there's plenty of distraction in, in LA. There's plenty of distractions in Los Angeles. And I didn't drink any coffee at all before I went to college. And mm. that was my first nootropic, right? My first nootropic was coffee and sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of it. And I even had sugar in my coffee. I did soy milk in my coffee. I mean, this is like funny stuff now thinking back at what I did. But it was... Do you have like a... To- do you have, ever remember like what peak coffee was for you? What peak coffee? Like Yeah, so like cups? maximum number of cups. I was never a huge, huge coffee drinker. I would say like maximum mm-hmm. for me was probably... This didn't come into medical school until later. It was probably mm-hmm. about three. I would say. Um, But I usually over the years developed uh, a very large coffee drinking habit in the morning. So my first coffee was not a small coffee. So what I mean by large was size. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My first coffee was large. I used to mess around with espresso back in medical school, Um, but I really didn't explore anything outside of caffeine uh, until I learned more about nootropics in general, actually, after the work I was doing in hyperbaric medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. Hyperbaric therapy, which is one of the fields that I work in, is a nootropic in itself. It can help with cognitive enhancement, optimization. It helps with blood flow. So you can think better in the chamber. And then I had some interesting conversations with people like Mr. Dave Asprey and others back in 2013, well, saying, I want to use this as a nootropic. I'm like, what's a nootropic? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what a nootropic was in 2013 until I met Dave, actually. And he's like, oh, and he told me all about the work that he was doing. This is when he just had Bulletproof Coffee. I think it was before his first book. And it was during that time that I started understanding that there was these other compounds that you could use to help stimulate your brain to function better. And it worked really well within my life at the time, understanding that these existed because I was going on like having three kids at that point. Now I'm on number four, mm-hmm. and I'm done after that, by the way. No more, no more kids. <laughs> I have three girls and a boy. Everybody's less than nine years old in my house at the moment. Um, wow. So, yeah, having the ability to, to have a brain that functions, not only for the work I do, but also for the family that I have, was very important to me. So I started exploring some additional nootropics. I started with uh, some of the racetams that I thought those were Mm -hmm. interesting. I liked them. I didn't like them that much um, because sometimes they'd make me feel a little bit too jittery. Uh, I started Mm -hmm. then exploring nicotine itself, which I really did like uh, because I liked how it kind of gave me a little burst of cognitive enhancement, a little bit bit of a cognitive boost. I spoke better. I thought better. I was better at thinking laterally as well. So I started working with with nicotine a little bit. Um, and then it was from there that I, I didn't do too much exploring of some of the nootropic formulas out there, but I did some. And because I really felt that I was doing well. I was, I was focusing on my, my cellular foundation, doing the work in health optimization medicine that you're aware of mm-hmm. as, as well, Boomer, and, and making sure that I had the ability to harness energy well at the cellular level. Mm-hmm. I was um, getting into the chamber, which was helping my cognitive capacity doing exercise, which is a great nootropic in itself. And so I, I didn't think about, you know, combinations of nootropics up until relatively recently and how you could stack mm-hmm. things together in a way that could optimize, you know, cognitive performance. And it wasn't until yeah. about two years ago when I met uh, Dr. Ted Achacoso, when he is the, I think, the consummate stacker of biohacks in a very physiologic and in a very I think, reasonable way. Because he's a physician like I am. And so he was able to look at pharmacology and say, well, how can you stack pharmacology, micro-dosing certain compounds or precision-dosing certain compounds to bring it together in a safe way um, where you can see the potential benefits of larger doses of certain of these types of, of compounds in a smaller dose synergistic uh, formula. And so that, that's when you know, blue canatine came about um, at first mm-hmm. as a gum and then as a trochee, which is this sublingual, not sublingual, sub, it's a buccal trochee. So it stays in your mouth and stays in one location. Mm-hmm. So that was my, so, that was my process, I think. And then now I use that and I, I fucking love it. Um, and that's, my, <laughs> that's my usual nootropic, but I still just sometimes you use nicotine on its own as well. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, caffeine now I cycle. I don't always have caffeine, um, but I like it 
when I have it and I try to use it as more of a nootropic rather than as a, as a daily crutch. <laughs> so let's, uh, before we jump into blue canatine, which I definitely want to spend some time on, uh, two questions for you. First, foundationally, before somebody jumps into all that is uh, a nootropic, what or, or should uh, before they jump in and start taking nootropics, what should they be doing first? What should they be doing right first? Because I think there's a lot of people out there, and I was guilty of this back when Dave Asprey was posting the racetams, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you, you used to be able to buy anaracetam in the store, right? Mm-hmm. And I shipped it over to Singapore, but I wasn't really sleeping very much. What should we foundationally have stacked in place before we start? Uh, looking for cognitive enhancement. Yeah, thanks for the question, Boomer. It's really important because the way this company developed transcriptions, the the company that makes Blucanatine, was through a health-focused lens. That health-focused lens is called Health Optimization Medicine, and it's a nonprofit company of which I'm the chief operating officer here in the States, and it's part of my concierge wellness practice. I truly feel the foundational wellness perspective is most important to start off with is if you don't have the ability to make energy effectively at the cellular level if you don't have the right vitamins minerals nutrients if you're toxic if you're inflamed if your gut um, has overgrowth if it's got pathogens in it that are causing leaky gut and other aspects uh, that deregulate your biology giving nootropics or really trying any supplement without having some of this in context may make things worse or at the very least make you feel better for a short period of time but then make you feel worse afterwards and i'm guilty of this as well you know when i in the past when i was in residency and and when i was working really hard and i wasn't sleeping just like you boomer you know trying things like extra caffeine or nicotine or whatever to help me it would help me for like a minute but then after that i would feel terrible and the mm-hmm. anaracetams or the acid, the racetams in general, same thing. You know, they would help me initially, but then I would feel terrible. Um, I haven't tried them lately as I've been more health optimized mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I needed them. But yeah. um, I do feel like if I would try them now, it would be much better than I did earlier because my biology, my physiology, my cellular health wasn't as good as it is now, where I've focused on precision dosing supplements to help me focus on my health and my cellular health, my gut health, my immune health, avoiding foods that I know that can inflame me, you know, practicing various practices like meditation and sunlight exposure and grounding to help me sleeping better. Although I'm not always great at that. I do my best (laughs) with everything going on, but you know, I'm not a perfect, I'm by no means perfect, but what I try to do is focus on that foundational health on myself and then with the clients that I that I work with. And then also that's the focus of transcriptions, which is we are here as a bottleneck for your path or along your path to foundational health or optimal health. Cognitive mm-hmm. function and going forward, you know, sleep, pain, and other ways to help you function at a higher capacity. But if you're not focusing on some of that that foundational work, that cellular work, you may find that these things help you, but they don't help you as much. Um, or you don't, or in a couple of days, you don't feel as good. It's because you don't have that baseline health that's going to sustain you. Mm-hmm. Uh, second question before we dive in caffeine cycling. How do you look at that for yourself and for other people that may be interested in that? Well, caffeine's a drug, and caffeine. Mm-hmm if you have a lot of it, you build up tolerance to it. And at some point, especially that tolerance can get to the point where you just don't have any real caffeine effect anymore, no stimulation effect. I mean, I was getting to the point about a year ago where I could have a cup of coffee at dinner, a regular cup of coffee and go to bed three hours later. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. so you basically, your, your receptors are so tolerant to caffeine that there's no use to having it. Um, so ca- having caffeine Cycling is helpful because it gives you that ability to to prune, not prune, to uh, to virginize your receptors. The caffeine, <laughs> let's call it. I love so it. I when love you it. virginize your receptors, you prune them to some degree, so there won't be as many um, on the synaptic clefts, right? So then, as a result of that, there's less places for it to be taken up. Um, but as a result of the stimulus, you're going to have more that can that can actually work. 
And so it's sort of this virginizing of receptors that helps with everything. It's not just caffeine, but um, caffeine is a really important one. That's the same thing with, with a lot of different nootropics, right? If you, a lot of these things you want to cycle over time and come in and on and off of so that you don't build up tolerance to. And then, of course, when there's with tolerance, there, there also comes withdrawal. And, you know, caffeine withdrawal, as many of us know, it's not going to kill you, but it's not fun, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so being able to do this in a cycling way um, can help you with withdrawal and tolerance aspects as well and, and help with the effect of caffeine, which is a fantastic nootropic. Uh, typical when you cycle off, is it four to six weeks or how long, any particular time period? Uh, for me, it, it depends on a lot of factors, but I think in general, what I recommend is somewhere around there, four to six weeks off, four to six weeks on, um, or even just weekly on and off is fine too. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think about caffeine now as a nootropic is more as something that I have to have every day. Um, so I think about it, people love their coffee and I completely resonate with that i'll even i'll have decaf coffees most mornings just because it's hot and it tastes like coffee (laughs) and then i can stack things inside of my coffee right um so but it's not caffeine that's doing it it's you know it's it's the coconut milk or it's the l-theanine or it's the whatever else i'm going to put in my coffee that day my mushroom formulas or whatever Mm -hmm. um so I, i use it as a delivery or a delivery device and not so much for the caffeine itself all the time but then i go cycles and i say okay caffeine today or caffeine tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've realized over time for me, I don't technically need caffeine in the morning. I need caffeine if I'm going to have it in the afternoon when I get, you know, sometimes in the afternoon we get that sort of lull. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, for everybody it's different, but I like uh, also for the hormonal effects of caffeine too, which is important. You know, caffeine does, you know, deplete you in neurotransmitters as well. So it's important to replete those. Um, we like to test them, of course, if we can, to see what you mm-hmm. need or what you're depleted in. Um, but it's an important one as well. It also can decrease your melatonin production and, and other things as well. So, mm-hmm. so we know we're going to call this episode "Virginizing Receptors," but <laughs> let's <laughs> let's um, <Awesome. laughs> let's let's go into blue canatine because uh, look, I've tried it a lot um, and, and love it. Uh, we've covered caffeine quite extensively already. Mm-hmm. And so just, we've had both yourself and Dr. Ted on the show before. Uh, to recap the ingredients, methylene blue, caffeine, um, hemp crystals, uh, and then also uh, methylene blue, caffeine, hemp crystals. And what's the last one that I'm missing? Say, nicotine. Nicotine, yes. Yeah, of course. And so let, let's go through kind of, each of these, just in terms of maybe we can talk a little bit about dosing, but I would love to talk specifically. Uh, let's talk about methylene blue first. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, there he is. It's in my Sporting it. Yeah. I don't know we, if you have video for the, this, but video. Oh, we, we do have video <laughs> and, and the video will be released. Nice. Uh, and so that would be half Smurf mode for those Indeed. looking for a technical. Okay. So do you have a, a preference on half Smurf mode versus full Smurf mode? So technically the right way to use methylene blue is in half Smurf mode because okay. you kept it on the same side of your mouth for the entire time that you had it dissolving. Now okay. we don't discourage full Smurf uh, or other types of Smurf, subtle Smurf, etc. Um, mm-hmm. I do discourage teeth Smurf. You know, the teeth Smurf doesn't look all that great if you have. Yeah, so that would be the the chomping on the, the chomping. actual. Tr- so yeah, no yeah, chomping, okay. Uh, okay. no braces, no Invisalign. Please, we've we've learned the hard way to, to tell people that um, you don't want to use Invisalign. If you have Invisalign, do not use methylene blue. It is a stain. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is a dye. Um, we can talk about methylene blue first. I think it's. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into methylene blue because you've heard of it in like aquariums even, but like, how does methylene blue benefit a human being? So the, the, I mean, the the history of methylene blue is super, super interesting. It's the first drug that was actually registered with the FDA. And I think the year was like 1897. So a long time ago. And methylene blue has got a lot of different properties. It has antifungal properties. It has antibacterial properties. It was a treatment from, from malaria, actually. So it's got antiparasitic properties. We think it has antiviral properties, especially with combinations of various types of light, at least. Um, and before antibiotics, you give methylene blue for a urinary tract infection. 
before antifungals and antiparasitics, you were giving methylene blue for antifung for fungal infections and for malaria. Um, it was also noted to be a mild antidepressant because it had what's called MAOI properties, which mm -hmm. is a monoamine oxidase inhibited inhibition properties. So this is a type of, uh, these are types of pathways that are involved in, uh, in what we think is depression, uh, in depression itself. And so um, it was used in psychiatry, not only for that component, but it was also a way for, um, for clinicians to make sure that their patients were taking the drugs, because if they added methylene blue to another drug, it would make their urine blue. So as a result of that, they could test and see whether people were taking the drugs or not. So mm -hmm. a beneficial side effect, I don't know, um, but it's a side effect nonetheless of blue urine. So if you have methylene blue, if you ingest it, the higher the dose, the more blue you're going to have of your urine. A higher dose, mm -hmm. a very high dose, is going to turn your, your shit blue too. You know, blue Smurf shits is what people like to say. Um, so, <laughs> but, but that's a that's a pretty high dose, right? That's like, a very I'm high not, dose. Yeah. yeah, for Smurf shits, it's a high dose, very high dose. Yeah. Um, so methylene blue, what's actually happening is very interesting. It has lots of different properties, but in its essence, it is its ability to actually allow your cells to make energy. It acts like oxygen at the cellular level. So on the electron transport chain, you have electrons that are shooting through it and that are usually being captured by oxygen, so that are being received by oxygen. And in this way, you can make energy. Those electrons being transduced from the inside of the mitochondria to the outside, they basically make an engine work that produces ATP, or the currency of energy in our cells. Oxygen is the final electron receptor. Methylene blue can do the same thing. And so it's used clinically in medical, in the medical field now for something called methylhemoglobinemia, which also can happen in carbon monoxide poisoning, where you have this ability, inability to use oxygen because it's being tied to the hemoglobin molecules in some way. Um, but you can use methylene blue as a curative because it allows you to still maintain your production of energy even mm -hmm. if oxygen's not available at, at the most or at, at the significant quantities. At the same time as it being an oxygen uh, replacer or something that can enhance oxygen's effect by producing more the ability to accept electrons, it also has antioxidant properties and actually can donate electrons at the same time, very interestingly. We also think that light itself can activate methylene blue and make it work better. Um, we think UVC light specifically, but also mm -hmm. probably other wavelengths of light as well. Yeah. So UVC is interesting. Uh, and I want to double click on that, but does, is infrared also, cause we've got some, some friends in the, the space that are playing around with it in infrared. Uh, what do we know about light and methylene blue? So we don't know what spectrums are best so far, okay. um, but we do know at least about UVC. Um, okay. their UVC light has been known for many years to be antiviral. And mm -hmm. so there are some studies that have been published on various viruses like, like coronavirus and others where if you irradiate the blood with UVC and methylene blue, you can see significant antiviral properties. Um, those doses of methylene blue are higher, um, than what's in blue canatine. Um, what's, what's the dose that they talk about? In so it's studies? not exactly clear. Um, mm -hmm. at this point. So that's something that we're exploring as a company to think about, you know, what, you know, what products, you know, could we could, could we make available? Um, but right now, you know, we make no claims at all that blue canatine has any antiviral properties because it, it has a small dose of methylene blue. It's five milligrams of methylene mm -hmm. blue. We think that the doses, I mean, most of these studies have been done outside of the body. So in, in vitro, not in vivo. Mm -hmm. um, so it's difficult to kind of approximate you know, but, it, but we're looking into this for sure. Um, but um, from a, a light perspective, we know for sure UVC, um, but we don't know about red light. We don't know about, you know, uh, about regular spectrum light, you know, the, the sort of, and we don't know about, you know, the, the higher spectrums either at this point. So this is something that needs to be explored. We don't know. Um, but there is definitely some significant interest in how light um, 
how it actually may, and, and the, Dr. the Dr. Jack Cruz guys, and Dr. Jack Cruz talks about this a little bit too, how there may be some capabilities of methylene blue to protect ourselves from bad light as well, mm -hmm. which I don't quite understand yet, but that's another one that I'm very interested in exploring. So we think methylene blue is neuroprotective from the antioxidant capabilities. We think it's energy producing because of its ability to accept electrons. And we think it might work in combination with light and maybe other things to have other antiviral, antifungal, and antibacterial qualities that are not being used very much in, in, medical, uh, in the medical world right now, but have been in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a family history with Alzheimer's and things, and uh, one of the neuroprotective benefits, or at least I would love to hear your thoughts on methylene blue potentially for early onset Alzheimer's. Mm. Obviously not making any claims, but I know there's been some papers out there. Let's interrupt your regularly scheduled program to talk about one of those foundations for cognitive enhancement, sleep. And for me, there are a few essentials in that whole sleep equation. One is putting down the laptop before I go to bed, usually about an hour before is best. Putting down the phone, equally important, but also blocking blue light. And one of the tricks that is up my sleeve, especially during the summer in Europe where sun is out until very, very late, are blue light blockers. My favorite, you guys know it, and he's been on the show before, is Annie Mance Blue Blocks. Head on over to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, and use the code DS15 for 15% off your order. Back to my conversation with Scott Sure. Yeah, super intriguing stuff. Um, and I think, again, it has to do with the ability to maintain energy production. Because as mm -hmm. we get older, our mitochondria also deteriorate. And these are our batteries, our powerhouses, as they're called. And if they're not working well, those cells are going to deteriorate and degenerate. And the most common places that they happen are really deep inside the brain and the frontal lobe. And so that mm -hmm. senile dementia is the frontal lobe, right? Where you don't remember where your keys are, what you had for breakfast, but you remember what you did 50 years ago on the beach in Singapore, right? Or something. Mm -hmm. So you have this ability to remember those things from the long term, but in the short term, you know, the short term storage stuff goes. And so we think that methylene blue is just allowing maintenance of energy production. And this, the, the dosing for that is very interesting. It looks like somewhere around 16 milligrams of a of an activated form, or a, not an activated form, but a little bit of a different form of methylene blue. Um, mm -hmm. So um, actually, I'm sorry, that activated form is actually, the, the dose looks to be about eight milligrams. And then the mm -hmm. inactivated form looks to be somewhere maybe about double that, double that. And what I mean by inactivated, I just means it has to be activated in the body versus it being coming in the activated form itself as you're ingesting it. Mm -hmm. So what are the common ways that, so other than blue canatine, uh, ingesting methylene blue now, do people, do you just buy it online? Like that seems a little bit dangerous to me. Um, right. where, what's the easiest way for people to get a hold of it? Well, you were alluding to this before. You could get fish tank cleaner, but that's not pharmaceutical grade, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so fish tank cleaner does have methylene blue in it. Um, a lot of laboratory be bench work uses methylene blue as a stain. Um, it's mm -hmm. difficult to find pharmaceutical grade methylene blue and we yeah. went to the ends of the earth to find pharmaceutical grade methylene blue for this product because we didn't want any impurities we wanted it to, the potency to be exactly as we said it to be um, this goes back to what i said about dr ted and learning about this formula that we have a precision dosed pharmaceutical grade product that has certificates of analysis for every single ingredient. Um, mm. It's difficult to find pharmaceutical grade methylene blue. It's just plain and simple. Um, and then if it doesn't have that pharmaceutical grade, it's possible that it has impurities like heavy metals or, or molds and other things. And so it's difficult for me to recommend any specific place to get it, honestly, because we looked mm. and it's difficult to find. But if you feel comfortable, it, it comes in various ways. It comes in uh, liquid form. Um, it comes in um, capsule form, although that's not common yet, but it's going yeah. to, I think. Um, and then it also comes in IV, IV forms, which is very interesting. Interesting. Ooh, IV form methylene blue coming to your biohacking clinic near you. Yeah, they're looking uh, at to use it for cancer, actually, interestingly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, so just to sum up for people, methylene blue, if you were to take it by yourself, what kind of benefits do you think people uh, could expect from it? Well, it's an energy producer, right? It helps make mm-hmm. ATP at the cellular level. It tends to concentrate both in your brain and in your heart. Uh-huh. So think about ways that you can capitalize on your body's ability to produce more energy in your brain and your heart. And that's where methylene blue seems to have the biggest effect. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I want to dispel some rumors on nicotine because we have a lot of people here yes. who have been drilled by the Philip Morris lawsuits of the world that nicotine is evil, must be punished, and will, if you touch it, you're going to hell kind of yeah. thing. Let's let's talk about nicotine. First things first, is nicotine addictive? So yes, nicotine is absolutely addictive. However, mm-hmm. the delivery of nicotine will basically tell you how addictive it's going to be. If you mm-hmm. smoke or vape nicotine, it's going to be much more addictive because it hits your bloodstream very fast. As soon mm-hmm. as you breathe in the nicotine, whether you smoke it or you vape it, it gets into your red blood cells, into your circulation very, very fast. And all of a sudden you get a quick hit of nicotine either way. In addition to smoking, you're not just smoking nicotine. You're not just vaping nicotine. You're also smoking and vaping other products that enhance the addictive qualities of both nicotine vaped or smoked. And this Mm -hmm. has been very well studied. And we think it's some of these additional products that are inside cigarettes or inside vaping products, very similar, actually some of those, the flavorings and others that are inside the vaping products that are actually making nicotine as addictive as it is. Um, there are some pretty good studies to show this. So when you're not vaping or smoking nicotine, especially if you're not using it with the additional products that are inside of a cigarette or vaping, the ability to get addicted to nicotine is absolutely still possible, but it's not as easy to do. Now, people worry about um, you know, chewing, chewing tobacco, for example, or dipping again, that's just not nicotine. That's the other products that are inside of nicotine is, or, or with the nicotine as well. Um, what we've done in blue canatine and what you can get for as a nicotine replacement is straight nicotine. Okay. The nicotine we use in, in blue canatine is, um, it's synthetically derived. It's not from tobacco. Um, and that's important as well. Um, not, not so much from an, from, a, from an addictive perspective, but just from a clean perspective. We have a clean product here. Um, the nicotine is also pharmaceutical grade, which is important. Um, and when you are using it in a way that we're, we've developed it in a slow-release lozenge, buccal lozenge, you are getting the effect of nicotine that's rising over 15 to 30 minutes and not instantly. So... As a result of that, you have a much lower chance of getting you know, any addictive qualities to nicotine uh, because of that slow-release formula. So the faster mm-hmm. you get hit with nicotine, the faster um, you feel it, the higher the addictive quality, no doubt about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I always say I don't think anybody should be smoking or vaping anything uh, because of how fast it hits you. Um, there are some... There are some exceptions to that rule, especially if you have a lot of pain or a lot of discomfort. There are ways to get quick acting, so that's good. But in general, nicotine is going to be addicting no matter what formula you have, but it drops down exponentially the addictive qualities as you stop vaping and smoking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nicotine, one of the people you and I have had coffee with before uh, claimed that you had to train yourself to have the nicotine hit faster. Do you believe that? Like, as in, let's say I have the Nicorette spray here because I live in Europe. Um, do I need to start training myself? Is there an onboarding period to notice the effects of nicotine? I mean, there's always the question of priming receptors, right? In the sense, okay. if you prime receptors, um, it's sort of like the double effect kind of deal, right? Where you have a little bit, then you have more. Um, mm-hmm. There is some logic to that. Um, I haven't seen that specifically for nicotine and the nicotinic uh, receptors and how that has an effect on the neurotransmitters that are released as a result of the acetylcholine that is stimulated from the nicotinic receptors. Um, But it's possible. Um, It's something that I haven't explored myself. 
Um, but I, I, I would definitely encourage people to, to think about it and do some research on their own and to see if that does have a significant effect. I mean, my, myself, personally, I haven't noticed the, that particular effect. I've noticed it, it being best used in short bursts. Nicotine for, you know, very, like for like a 30-minute or an hour period of time is it's pretty short-acting. Um, mm-hmm. So um, what I like about you know, the formula that we've developed is that it allows it to be more longer acting as we've given other stuff, other ingredients in there that sort of round it out with the, the hemp crystals beatifically derived, as we say. Um, and, and even um, having the methylene blue in there and helping sort of maintain energy function or energy capacity over a longer period of time. But, um, but it's a good, it's definitely interesting. I, I'm definitely, I definitely think it's worth exploring. So let's go into nicotine specifically and how it acts because we've talked about why it may or may not be addictive in certain cases, but let's talk about how it acts and kind of the benefits that you mentioned, because you mentioned acetylcholine, right? Yeah. Um, So let's, let's go into that a little bit more. Yeah. So nicotine is a fantastic nootropic and it's actually been studied on its own for Alzheimer's disease and for Mm -hmm. mild cognitive delay um, or mild cognitive impairment, I should say, not mild cognitive delay. That's in kids. Anyway, so um, <laughs> um, hasn't been studied in kids. No, nicotine is a is a drug in a, in the U.S. over 21 years of age. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so it, we know it's a nootropic, and it's been studied in academic literature in this capacity. And the reason is that it works on many neurotransmitters all at the same time through its effect on cholinergic receptors specifically. And as a result of producing more acetylcholine, you get more neurotransmitters released. You get more dopamine, more norepinephrine, more epinephrine. And as a result of that, you see this stimulatory effect and your brain is just functioning better. You have, you're revving up your ability to make energy. So again, this is important why we talk about why you need to be able to make energy efficiently. Um, But revving up the ability of your brain to have more energetic potential or energetic currency. It's also going to constrict blood vessels down a little bit. It's a stimulant. Mm-hmm. And that's what all stimulants do. So it's important to know what your risks, risks are for that. If you have any cardiac history, if you have any pulmonary history, these are the reasons why you may want to be considering maybe not having nicotine. But in general, it's a very safe drug. Um, if you have a history of, of any neurocognitive issues, um, you know, history of strokes or seizures or things like that, you need to make sure that you kind of aware of what your doses are of these things or if you should take them. Um, low dose, it's actually very safe in almost all of those categories, but it's still mm-hmm. something you should think about and talk to your doctor about before you use it. But nicotine has also this ability, which is interesting, not only does it vasoconstrict, it seems to dilate blood vessels in our brain that are very specific to thinking and cognitive mm-hmm. capacity, which is kind of paradoxical in my, in my initial, yeah. you know, because you wouldn't think that it would have the ability to do both. And I'm not exactly sure how it does that. Um, but in the thinking areas of our brain, the hypothalamus, uh, the thalamus, the hippocampus, those areas, there tends to be even some vasodilation, uh, which is very interesting. Mm. So, all right. So we have nicotine as um, potentially a cognitive enhancer, so to speak. Uh, but one of the things, talk. let's talk a little bit more on, yeah, let's go into CBD now. Unless, do you think there's, what am I leaving out of the picture on nicotine right now? I, I think what's important, I think what's important, uh, we've mostly covered. I think the, the idea that nicotine can be used um, as a nootropic um, and it's not scary if it's not smoked or vaped. Um, and used in a precision way um, is a novel one for a lot of people. You know, not in the biohacker space, but outside of that, I think it's very much a novel idea. I think what's important to know is that there are risks for it, but they're mild, and you can screen yourself out of those very quickly. Um, but the benefits can be dramatic. I think what's interesting about it for me is verbal fluidity. I find with nicotine, so like mm-hmm. I just have nicotine by itself, like. My brain is just, I'm just saying words and things are happening and I don't, I'm not stumbling. I'm not saying the, I'm I'm on fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's got this really amazing ability uh, to do that. And so I think you covered most of it. I think, you know, from a, from a physiologic perspective, um, I think we covered most of it too. Let's talk a, a little bit about, you mentioned small versus large dose with nicotine. Is there 
a concrete sort of maybe justification of what constitutes small versus large dose. And I think uh, it's worth clarifying for people just how much nicotine is in blue canatine. So there's one milligram in blue canatine. Um, mm-hmm. And one milligram of nicotine is a very low dose compared mm-hmm. to a cigarette, for example, that has 12 milligrams of tobacco derived nicotine, of course. Yeah. Now, how much of that nicotine are you getting? Somewhere between three and five milligrams, maybe up to six milligrams of nicotine per cigarette. Mm-hmm. So it's a much lower dose. Um, most nicotine replacement is upwards of about four milligrams or two milligrams per piece of gum. Um, everybody's dose is going to be a little bit different. You know, my dose is one milligram. Uh, typically, uh, some are two. Dr. Ted is a half. Um, he's, he's sensitive. He's a sensitive guy. Yeah, uh, I, I'm one. So, And so for everybody, it's going to be different. It also depends on how much of it you're using. If you're using a lot more of it, you will create tolerance to it. Now, this secondary effect where you have a little bit, then have more, um, I'm not sure what that would look like for, but you can, everybody can experiment. But in Mm -hmm. general, I find for most people, like one to two milligrams is their typical dose for for nicotine uh, Mm -hmm. to help them with cognitive enhancement. And and you mentioned verbal fluidity, right? And so verbal fluidity being one of the things that I absolutely love from blue canatine, is that generally from nicotine or is it just the com? I mean, I guess it is the combination of the ingredients as well too. Yeah. It's it's hard to say, you know, what is the most important? Uh, I would say that nicotine likely is if in in my feeling, if I had to make an educated guess, I would say that nicotine is probably the one that's doing it the most. But I would say that what's nice about the formula having the hemp crystals beatifically derived, the CBD, is that um, it rounds it out so that nicotine can sometimes feel edgy, like you have almost you know too much stimulate, stimuli, you're like too stimulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes as a result of that, it can have a detriment to your verbal fluidity, your ability to think and to think more laterally. What's nice about having the the CBD or the hemp crystals uh, beatifically derived is that it, it rounds it out. So you feel this 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 lift, but you also feel it in a more sort of expansive and I think slow release way where you don't feel like all of a sudden you just have so much in your mind you can't think and you're focused and you know you're more like this is how I think, this is how I speak, this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And you can get those words to come out of your mouth and they just kind of come. Um, and then you can think laterally too so that you're not just you know so hyper focused that you can't you know get out of the tunnel. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. with nicotine, that does happen to me too. Um, if, so that's, that's what I think is happening in this formula versus just nicotine on its own. Mm-hmm. And so the hemp crystals, do they serve predominantly as that rounding off or are they also, you mentioned something of an extension of the nicotine. How does that exactly yeah. happen? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I, I think it definitely rounds it off. So you don't have this initial burst. Mm-hmm. You have this mm-hmm. more rounding of, of, of the of the onset of action, which I think is really important for what we're doing um, because it gives you this, this rise up. And then also when you, when you're done with your limitless ride with blue canatine on the, on the other side of it, you don't feel this come down. You don't feel this withdrawal effect. I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with CBD. I also think, you know, CBD and or hemp crystals beatifically derived is, is also a neuroprotective. It also has mm-hmm. antioxidant capability. So I think it's protecting you at the same time as you have all these neurotransmitters being released and stimulated with nicotine and caffeine on board. So I think mm-hmm. part of it is this neuroprotective effect. Now, as far as it extending it, I think it's just because um, you have this extension related to the CBD on be CBD being on board. And as a result of that, you just have this extension of this ability to sort of maintain that. It's, I'm not exactly sure what's happening physiologically yet. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what we're going to see though, as we do more testing of this boomer, like from a, from a neurologic perspective, when we do EEGs on people and we look at their default mode networks and we look at their, their central executive networks, which is our network that allows us to get shit done. Our DMN, our default mode network is our story and who we are and what we're doing and the the stories we tell ourselves every day. I think what we're going to see is that we have the DMN go down and the central executive network kind of ramp itself up so that you're able to do this, but you still have the more lateral thinking capabilities. So that we have to do some more testing, which has been on hold given, you know, lockdown, but hopefully soon. Can't can't lock myself on an EEG right now, or get myself on an EEG. Uh, drug interactions in blue canatine. Anything that people should be aware of? 
So the biggest ones to consider are if you're taking an antidepressant that has SSRI components to it, whether it be an SSRI directly or if it's a drug that has a combination. Uh, the combination to, with that and also uh, the methylene blue, there it may cause, um, although our dosing is extremely low and is extremely uh, unlikely, there's a risk of something called serotonin syndrome, which we don't want you to get. Um, that's why our dosing doesn't allow for more than four trochees in a day. As long as you stay below four trochees, you really are safe. But if you're taking any of those medications, I, we highly recommend either you decide uh, either you decide not to take blue canatine or you talk to your doctor before taking it. Um, other things just to consider, if you're stimulating your body, if you have stimulants on board, um, this is not like it's amphetamines or anything crazy, but like we're talking stimulants like caffeine and nicotine, you want to make sure that your body is, is healthy enough for stimulants. So you have your heart functioning is okay, um, that your brain function is okay in the sense that you don't have uncontrolled, you know, seizure disorders, or if you have cardiac issues like previous heart attacks or, or cardiomyopathies or, and also in combinations with illegal drugs like alcohol and cocaine and, you know, other amphetamines, you don't want to do any of that stuff. Like it's not a good idea. Um, mm -hmm. so other than those, we have a list on our website of things to consider um, with each of the ingredients. Um, but in general, it's a very safe, safe formula um, that we all that we think almost everybody can benefit from. Um, a couple other people I should I should just mention: no pregnant women. So if you're pregnant, please no. Um, if you're breastfeeding, we've gotten a couple questions about that. Please no. Um, if you are less than 21 years of age in the U.S. Um, nicotine is not available to you. So mm -hmm. fortunately, you cannot have this product as well. Um, we also recommend that, you know, whatever, you know, drugs that you're taking, whether they, if they're a prescription or a non-prescription, um, that you, you, you consult with your, your, uh, your, your medical provider. I guess what I'm thinking about is some people that are involved in the psychedelic space specifically. Um, there is one specifically like the ayahuasca, the DMT, derivatives that have um, an MAOI inside of them as a part of the part of the part of the the cocktail part of the the drink so we don't mm -hmm. recommend if you're trying any of that stuff to combine it with blue canatine uh, as a result of having MAOI properties so um and I can't rec recommend having any of that stuff anyway because it's all illegal but you get what <laughs> understood uh Dr. Scott, I want to transition now into the final three questions because these are new since the last time you were on the show. Oh, fun. Yay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what, what is your, what is, what excites you most about the health world right now? Hmm. I think what excites me most is that there's now more urgency for people because of what's happening during the pandemic. People really are like, Oh shit, I need to get healthy. Yeah. Or I don't want to be sick. Mm -hmm. And that is a fantastic opportunity for many of us in this world to really develop something that can change how people approach their health. And I'm really excited about that. I'm excited for the work that we're doing in health optimization medicine specifically for this reason, because now we can say, let's focus on your health. Let's focus on your foundation. Let's Let's look at your cells. Let's look at your gut. Let's look at your immune system. Let's optimize all that. So when the next pandemic happens, which is possible, or the next health scare happens, which is going to happen, whatever it might be, you have an immune system and a cellular foundation that's fortified. And now it's not just about putting out fires, I hope. I hope it's more about making that shift towards health and making that shift towards focusing on our health. And I, I, I am excited about that. I'm, I am truly excited about that shift. Book that has changed your life. Mm. Which book has changed my life the most? There's so many books that I've enjoyed, although none all that recently, because I've been very busy um, with keeping myself healthy, especially in the, in the, yeah. the pandemic times. Yeah. I would say that the book that I've enjoyed the most in the last year is a book that our fellow colleague, Dr. Ted recommended to me called stalking the wild pendulum. And mm. I may have mentioned this last time we spoke. I don't remember. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It, because it still resonates to me and I go back to it so often. Um, and the other book that I go to often 
and maybe I didn't speak about it last time, is called uh, Illusions and the Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. Um, that's a book that I try to read every, every month these days. And the mm-hmm. idea is that we all have inside of us everything that we need. Um, and, and there's nobody that you need to look to to be your Messiah. Um, it's all inside of us. Um, and going back to that book and reminding myself that the external world is just a reflection of your internal world um, is, is very, I think, helpful for all of us in these times. And, yeah. and, and, I, and that's something that I've gone back to um, time and time again. And in this time frame, pandemic times, you know, I continue to come back to. And for those listening, it's a pretty short book. It's really, really good. You can get uh, it on YouTube for free. You can. <laughs> there you go. There you go. On uh, one more thing. Where can people find out more about Blue Canatine? Maybe try some if they want to get it. Where, where do they find out more about you? So Blue Canatine, the best way is transcriptions on Instagram. So prescriptions with a TRO to start off with, instead of prescriptions, it's transcriptions. Um, and we named it transcriptions, uh, excuse me, because that's really what we think this is. This is a transcription for your health. And this is a precision dosed pharmaceutical grade formula for optimizing your health and working on those bottlenecks that I described. Um, my personal Instagram is at Dr. Scott Scherr, S-C-O-T-T-S-H-E-R-R. And the website is transcriptions.com. My other websites are probably not important today. You can just Google my name and find me on podcasts and we can talk. Um, Dr. Scott Sure on Instagram is probably the place I'm most active. And you're posting more. Which I'm, is trying. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying. I only like awesome. to try to post pertinent information. And, and that's, you know, that's, it's challenging. You know, I want to make mm-hmm. sure that it's relevant for people. Um, but yeah, those are the places you can find me most. Amazing. Dr. Scott, thank you for taking the time again. As always, such a pleasure, my friend. I thank you, Boomer. And I hope that you and I can see each other soon and, you know, we can at least fist bump, shake hands, or maybe even hug. It'd be nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the elbow bump has become very popular these days. So No, it's six feet away. No one, no yeah, one exactly. will that. <laughs> maybe if you're elbow bumping with like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or something like that. But like, right on, right on. Let's see. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, my friend, and to all the superhumans listening, have an epic day. Take care. All right, superhumans, you guys can tell we had a lot of fun on that episode. If you got something out of it, head on over to LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you happen to share all of your social media information and share something with your following. Tag Decoding Superhuman. Would love to hear what you thought of the episode. And if you're so inclined, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Each review helps immensely, and I really, really appreciate you all. The show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash Dr. Sure. That's S-H-E-R-R. Superhumans, have an epic day. And remember, choose health.